This is Reese, and you're listening to the Point Music Podcast thingy. Hello, I'm back. Reese from the Point Music Podcast thingy. Um, apologies for being away for like close to two months now. Um, lots of stuff going on, but finally got my ass into gear and uh, arranged for another podcast. So. The welcome wagon for this episode. The ones that welcome me back into the fray of podcasting. I would like to give props to Dean and Dan from Before the King, Sydney Bam. They jumped on um, pretty pretty close to the last minute for this one. Uh, massive chats with these guys talking about the song Mary Lou, which they brought out, um, the recording process, and just basically music stuff in general. We nerd out. Hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Dean and Dan from Before the King. And we are rolling. This is the first point podcast in like two months. Hello, Dean. Hello, Dan from Before the King. How are we? Yeah, pretty good yourself. Um, I'm going to have to basically warm myself back up into doing a podcast again. But yeah, pretty good. (laughs) If it makes you feel any better, this is our first podcast. I'm glad to pop your cherry. Um, I'll be I'll be gentle. Um, congrats on Thank Mary you. Lou. Uh, cool single. Um, Thank you very much. I've had some time to digest it, and even though in the presser in the bio that came through, um, it said it was got a bit of like a British lo-fi garage inspiration coming through there. Mary Lou has got some early stroke stuff happening easily. Um, I don't know if you're offended by that or not. I mean, I like the strokes, but not at all. That's like uh, we have two copies of "Is This It" in oh. our house. <laughs> one's yeah. to stare at, one's to play. Is that what it is? You think we're joking? There's, our, there's our stare at copy, <laughs> and the play copies behind us. <laughs> so one's not yeah. touched, and the, the and the other one is just like yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just a de- just decorative. I think I've got the same thing with like. A few of my albums. Um, <laughs> Nirvana's in Europe one, I think. Mm. Like, I've got CD versions and, and vinyl copies as well, so. Oh, right, and, yeah. And digital, so it, I, I've got that many. <laughs> Just double up, make yeah, sure you it's a, it's a triple cut up. all your basic covers. Basically, yeah. <laughs> well, it depends on what mood I'm in, if I want to yeah. be listening to shit on the computer or if I want to put it on the, on the stereo. Yeah, or, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back, well, we love the strokes. We love Good. big fans of All the right. strokes. Well, some people get a little bit offended if you sort of compare them to someone. You sort of go, no, I've got nothing to do with that. But, yeah. <laughs> but I was getting no, some, like, no. early, like, is yeah, early strokes vibes, definitely. Particularly yeah. with the way the film clip was done, too, which I actually really dug. Um, thank you thank very you. much. Yeah. So, explain the single for me, Mary Lou. Uh, what do you want to know? Anything and everything about it because it's actually a quite interesting song and there was something you tied in with it. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later because I'm assuming yeah, it's sure. already gone ahead. Oh, yeah, that was like, oh, hang on. You guys are in lockdown, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't go ahead, did it? Did not go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> For those that are listening or watching, you, um, yeah, Before the King guys are in uh, Sydney, aren't you? Yes, Sydney lockdown. I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I mean, well, to be fair, I've yeah. actually had a lot of um, Victorians and people from Melbourne 
on this podcast when they were in full on lockdown. So it's I guess it's your turn. Sorry. Yeah, we all we had it coming. We got cocky. Just yeah, <laughs> we were like catching the, catching the bus, raw dog in the air, no face masks. We 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 had this coming. Particularly if you're in Bondi. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and Bondi Junction, the worst. Oh, they're doing real bad there. Yeah. So whereabouts are you guys in Sydney then? We live in Marrickville. Oh, cool. I've played um Lazy Bones before. Yeah. yeah oh, right. Good venue. Yeah, great venue. It's weird with the mirrors on the top and you're staring at yourself playing. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Is that still there? And they've got all the mannequins out. Yeah, it's all still there. Yeah, because there's like three floors in that, isn't it? Because you've got like a weird jazz jazz lounge thing on like on like floor two and then you've got the actual proper bar where you're playing in like floor three or something. Yeah. Such a cool venue. Uh, it's been, I've, last time I played there would have been far out, 2018, I think. Oh, right. I think it looks the same. I wouldn't be surprised. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they've changed it at all. They've, they've figured out their niche, should yeah. we say. Yeah, well, that's what works. Anyway, back to Mary Lou. Um, a little bit behind, like, what, what brought this song to come together, basically? Well, the, the way we were writing all of our songs at that time and the way that, you know, up until... I would still say we pretty much write our songs this way is, like, we'll be someone will present an idea, we'll just jam and then, you know, we'll get excited about an idea and just jam in it and like see where it takes us and follow the path. And then after that jam is finished, we'll go like, okay, what did we like? Let's just cut that down into like a a bite-sized song. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get like super into it and like throwing out all these ideas and just like making it come to life in that way. And Mary Lou is, is not an exception. Mary Lou is an idea that came about in that way. And, yeah, the lyrics, because of the way we do that, the lyrics that I write are very intuitive in that moment. I'm just sort of like throwing words at how I feel like the music in that moment is making me feel. Mm-hmm. And that comes up, That the result can be often, I think, I find personally a lot more interesting than if you sit down and write the lyrics. Okay, so you, you, you of... let the music inspire what you're thinking and that transfers into the words, right? Yeah, exactly. You just become a vessel for the for the music. Ooh, you're as opposed channeling, to like... channeling some like interdimensional beings <laughs> coming through the notes there, hey. Yes, exactly. So I technically can't take any credit. Oh no! <laughs> it's, it's something like from some, some some something from Proxima Centauri is just channeling you, and his name's like Barry. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Credit Barry yeah. for all of for the King's Thanks. lyrics. Cheers, Barry. They ain't living. Cheers, Baz. Yeah. So there was nothing really that inspired it more. It was just like basically that the music is uh, provoked the, the the lyrics to come out and sort of. You went from there, right? Was there any editing in that process for the lyrics then? There was a there was a little bit of editing. Like I, I had to sort of organize thoughts afterwards. But um I I do the thing I like about this process mm. is that I, I kinda let the words speak for themselves in a way. Yeah. And you know, instead of like t- thinking of a story I want to tell, the story ends up telling itself after I look at it and I go, Oh, that's what I was saying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was definitely the case with Mary Lou. It sort of 
the, the picture I feel like it paints is, is of a relationship, but like a, quite a complicated relationship where there's a sort of strange tension and also magnetism and sort of uneasy ground between the two people. There's, um, yeah. we're getting a lot of songs coming through to me at the moment in my inbox about relationships and very similar sort of tones to what you're explaining there. And I'm wondering if a lot of these songs have been, have been born or inspired because of everything that we've been going through because of the fact that, I mean, I hate this whole podcast was born from COVID, right? Because of the fact that yeah. I, I couldn't get out and talk to all the musicians that inspired me face to face. So I started doing this whole podcast thing, right? And that disconnect I can also imagine would put strain on relationships, um, whether you're living together or living apart and that. So I, I would assume there'd be a lot of music that was actually born from these situations that have occurred. So it sounds like the, the characters that you've written about would be could have been born from that, maybe. I don't know. Well, you're, you're channeling it. Well, I mean, it was actually written quite a long time before lockdown ah, okay. was a thing. Interesting. Yeah. We wrote this track in like 2018, pretty it's much. It's been a while coming then. But Yeah, yeah. But I, I do, I actually do agree with what you're saying. Mm. Because the, the, my, the one example that comes to my mind, there's a, a local Sydney band called The Nagging Doubts. Okay. And they have a song called, I think it's Berlin. Uh, and the lyrics to me paint a picture of like people who are, forced to because of covid lockdown to be in a house with each other mm. and are sort of forced to deal with the tension between them wow like there's nowhere to run because of it so i i think that you're pretty on the money about it so for because we haven't been in in queensland here we haven't had major i mean we've had our little three-day lockdowns or whatever like that and we're, we're still wearing masks until friday morning um but not to the extent that you guys have since since the beginning, anyway. But I found, right. as a musician, I don't know how you guys feel with this industry itself, that there is so much pressure, particularly for indie artists, to not just be musicians, but to be their own marketing team, to be their own managers, to be their own booking department, to basically keep a, you know, social media managers. It's basically all these roles chucked into one and a lot of the time we have no fucking clue as to what, how or what we're doing. And that when it all came to an end, well, it started in April, May last year, it pressed pause and everything. And I, I, I don't know if you guys are, but I know a lot of musicians that have high social anxiety. I've got it. Um, I can't handle festivals, like I've played so many festivals, it's ridiculous. But I'd rather just sit in the green room, or if it's go around the back, or maybe go see an artist and then come back and, and go in my safe spot because it's just I can't handle too many people. It just drives me the noise is just too much. But this COVID thing pressed pause on that, and I was given a chance to breathe. I don't know if you guys ever felt the same right. way, particularly as musicians. Like it, it's it's kind of like if you can press pause on all the other shit that you got to do, like all the social media stuff, all the bookings and, and all that sort of stuff. And you can just focus on the thing that we love doing the most. And what's that? Fucking writing some music and playing some music and coming up with stuff that inspires us to keep writing instead of forcing it out. So was there anything like that coming for you guys? Or actually right now would be a good good example too. 
I mean, I guess in a sense there was. Like when we went into our lockdown last year, like that was when we really decided to release our first single. Mm. Like we had had a whole bunch of recorded songs in the bank for a while and we're kind of waiting for the right time. And everything went into lockdown and we're like, well, shit, there's yep. no more gigs. There's nothing. <laughs> what can we do? The only thing we can do is release our first single. Yeah. And we did that. And then I think every single post that we've released in a COVID world. So we've like essentially all of that social media marketing, all of that stuff, you're completely right. It's like we do it ourselves and we are learning i'd definitely say shooting in the dark shooting in the dark yeah um but it's like we kind of only know a covid world now yeah which is pretty crazy because it's only been two years but the band existing on like a spotify standpoint has only existed through covid really Mm. which is actually pretty crazy to think about i didn't think about that yet yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the bands I'm in is, is exactly exactly that. Like I joined because I'm in three bands, but um, this particular band is actually releasing a full length album on Friday. And whoa, congratulations! Cheers, man. Um, and I joined them in July last year, so like <laughs> in COVID times, and we've literally played four gigs. Yet. Yeah. We're all our yeah, all our Spotify exists. You're right. Like the majority of our existence is is on online and then Spotify. It's crazy when you think about this. Like the things that we love. From that perspective, most. yeah. From that perspective, I don't feel like the social media side has slowed down. If anything, I think it's ramped up. Yep. To become yeah. pre- almost the only thing that is like consistent. Mm, I agree. Um, it's. But it's frustrating because of the fact that you're supposed to gain fans and followers and a lot of time, organically for us, it's by playing shows and by being, and attracting people to, to our music and they're going, they've walked into the venue and just gone, oh shit, someone's playing, oh, this band's fucking cool, alright, better find out who they are and then follow, yeah? Whereas in a COVID world that we're living in right now and if you can't gig, you got to do the really hard shit of trying to follow, get fans in any means possible. Mm. How hard it would be it's for you tough guys? online. Really tough online. I don't think that you can really make the same emotional connection with somebody mm. on, on a phone that you can Definitely when not. you see them live. No. Like my, probably one of my favorite bands in Sydney, the Lazy Eyes. Yep. Um, the first time we saw them play was in person and I was absolutely floored. And I, you know, like, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then every time I've seen a band that, that I feel has been that good, but wasn't in person, I, I didn't feel that same sort of like Connection. attachment to Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because the music. Yeah, there's something really special about a live performance. It evokes emotion, right? Mm. Shit, we're getting deep here. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's go back to the single. Like I said, this is like the first podcast I've done two months. So yeah, it's just um, I, I have to go back to notes most of the time. I've got it all up here, uh, but not tonight. So that's cool. You're, you're killing it. Yeah, Thanks, man. man. We're along for your ride. <laughs> it's all good. I want to talk about the thing that you actually had teed up, and obviously can't got shit can because of stupid lockdown yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um, the the Freedom Hub. The, the, 
and was it prom night? Is that, was it was a prom thing? Yeah. And it was basically... There's an indie prom thing that... So it was basically... Um, so the Freedom Hub is a foundation dedicated to help women and children who are victims of slavery and domestic abuse, right? So it, was it going to be like a fundraiser kind of thing in this sort of sense? We were going to have um, gold coin donations. Yeah. Because the, the place we're going to have it at is free entry. Right. Okay. So what's your relationship with this um, organization? Well, I don't necessarily think we have like a specific relationship with this organization. Mm-hmm. Every time we release a single or we like, and we get support from the community or like our fans, um, we feel it's important to like have an aspect where we give back to the community. Yeah. So with each single, we do like some sort of charity aspect with it. Right. Like for Argentina, one of the singles we did a food drive for the asylum, local asylum seeker center, right? Which was sick, and people brought in a whole bunch of food, and then we gave all that food to the asylum seeker center, and that they were really happy. And um, yeah, this time I because the lyrics of Mary Lou sort of paint a picture of a troubled relationship. Mm-hmm. We thought it would just be like the most natural thing to sort of support um that exact thing basically you know domestic abuse relationships it's something that people we know personally have been affected by that's what i was going to ask yeah yeah it's it's like something that we were really passionate about and as well i think lockdown is there's a big chance that it's made it way worse oh easily without a doubt i reckon the stats would have gone with both yeah, child abuse, domestic abuse and that on both fronts. Yeah, mm. definitely. So, which is just awful. So anything we can do to help, we want to. Well, that's pretty wild. And all the bands won't have a philanthropic side to them. Uh, <laughs> most, of them most, most bands I know actually are pretty much in it for themselves. Um, I mean that they're nice people and everything like that. No, I'm not dissing my fellow musicians or anything like that. But um, that sounds more like something a reggae band would do. <laughs> I know because I'm in a reggae band too. We would would do that. All oh, right, so, we are actually really at our core a reggae band. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, just gonna start doing the upstrokes instead of like the down, and you'd be alright. <laughs> you know what? Strokes. That's it. Do a strokes ish. Um, Reggae? No, no, it's already been done. You don't. Want to, <laughs> you won't talk about that. But... You took that back as soon. As you said. <laughs> We're actually thinking of becoming a ska band. Do it. There's always room for ska, <laughs> dude. You'd be surprised. <laughs> you you would actually count the coin more than what you would as an indie band. I can tell you that now as a ska band. <laughs> Maybe we're in the wrong wrong business. Yeah, the wrong industry. <laughs> I know, I know a very good ska band up here, and they actually do all right. I can tell you that now. That's interesting. Yeah, because people. There's like a pretty bands. decent reggae sound in Sydney. You know, you got bands like Sticky, Sticky Fingers, Fingers and Ocean Alley. Yeah, Ocean Alley. What's that other one? Lime Cordial kind of. Got Lime Cordial. Well. Yeah, they're straight from. It. But all three of those bands have all strayed from their original root sounds, man. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, both like a band I was in. Well, ten years ago, Ocean Alley supported them um, up here, and they they were more reggae. Like when you listen to um, was it uh, Yellow Mellow and that sort of stuff, way more mm-hmm. rootsy reggae sort of it's stuff. It's a great track. Great track. 
I mean, Ocean Alley. Yeah. I'm not dissing them because they're a great band and lovely blokes, by the way. Hmm. Back to you guys because you don't need to talk about that shit. Um, <laughs> we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Oh, okay. I want to talk about us. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you mentioned Argentina, and the other first single you had was Low Expectations, right? Yeah. So the third single. So I'm guessing Mary we lose the fourth one. So Mary, the third one was you. You might think you're right, but that's where you're wrong. Correct. You might think you're right, and that is where you are in this case, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So do you want to explain that one? Because that one's a little bit different than Mary Lou, though. Yeah. Um, sort of same. Say, I think it came about pretty much in the same way mm-hmm. that Mary Lou came about, but the idea was a lot more sort of garage rock, like upbeat, yeah. more definitely a lot more in that Arctic Monkeys lane. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that this is actually that was actually one of the few examples in our band of where I took the lyrics and I like sat down afterwards and like thought about what I wanted to say and it turned out really well. So that that's something that separates that song a lot. And also that was one of the first songs that we wrote with, with our new guitarist at the time, who is now just the, the guitarist. guitarist. But at the time he was the new guitarist. Yeah. And he, he actually, that was the first time that he came and was like, I have this idea for this song. And he was like, that whole section that happens at like the midway point that like um, with the whole shout chorus, like interlocking vocals part was his idea. And like, so that was one of the first times that he gave like a, a really meaty contribution to something that we had done, which is, which is really cool. It felt like fresh blood coming in. Like I, I know that feeling of coming into a, an already established band and then having all these ideas and then you're just going, oh shit, should I say this sort of thing? Because I'm like, literally, this is the first time I'm playing with this band. Should I say what I'm thinking? And I just went, fuck it. Yeah, I reckon the song should go like this. It would work a bit better. And then all of a sudden it just flowed. I'm guessing that's the kind of sort of thing that your guitarist actually had in mind as well. Yeah, I would say. Gotta love that. Potentially, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. That's just that's just the psychic meld thing between guitarists and yeah. And yeah, Dan, us bass players, we just think, yeah, we don't, we're, we know what the drummer's thinking we with, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on our own level. We speak drummies, yeah, right? we can translate for the drummer <laughs> for the rest of the band. We basically. Speak, yeah, exactly. We speak the rhythm, yes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, being the translator for everyone else in the band. Sorry, what do you say? We're the great uniters. <laughs> hey, they're fucked without us. If you want to yeah. dance, if you want to dance, you dance into the bass player, not to the drummer and not to the guitarist. I can tell you that now. All right, I'm chucking you these notes that. out the window. I'm done with those notes. <laughs> so, um, you guys recorded. Oh, hang on, I need those notes. I just chucked away. <laughs> the brains, the brain studios. Um, which, yes. Yes. So, how was was that your first time in the studio, you guys, or you've been in studios before? Um, we've we never. The first time we were in the studio was like that we paid for and like proper good money. Yep. Was the was the Brain Studios below expectations, mm-hmm. and we really liked the result that we got. So we wanted to go back again, and so we recorded another batch of songs, and then we liked it so much that we went back a third time. 
So, <laughs> did you develop a bit of a relationship with the producer there? Yeah, yeah, I would say, I would yeah. say, um, he's good. He's like a Gordon Ramsay type. He's like oh. brutal cutting, <laughs> but gets good results out of you, which which we like. So, yeah. so basically, Dan goes in there for like two hours, does his baselines, and he just has to sit and twiddle his thumbs for the for the next like five sessions that you have. Is that basically the case? Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. His down to <laughs> Great. <stumps>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Everything that you think you know when you go into the studio as a bass player, throw it out the door. Completely. Did they t- they tell you why? Um, well, I remember the first time we went into the studio, I got torn to shreds mm-hmm. and I had to come back like a renewed person. <laughs> Stronger and better. What was the reasoning? What the- uh, I just think um, like the thing that I was playing was maybe not the best thing for the song and we had to have like a lot of discussions about what was better for the song. Yep. And it was not how I was thinking about it at that point in time. And he, like, he helped shift the, like, perspective in my mind. But it was quite difficult for me at that time. Oh, it always is. Yeah. So I, I actually come from, like, a, um, a alternative metal background. I've been playing bass for, like, 27 years. So. Um, oh, nice. So a lot of my background and inspirations is, is the grunge era and then all of a sudden into alternative metal and that sort of stuff too. So overplaying was pretty normal but to get a tight sound you have to pull out so many parts it's ridiculous but it's it's for the greater good of the song right yeah but no one's ever explained it to me properly until like the last few years um they've always just said you're playing too much and that's it right and you get you can't help but be offended by that because this is the line that you came up with and you think it works yeah yeah. So what was explained to me, luckily the producer, I'll give props to the great Paulie B at Yamanui, um, absolute legend. He's the bass player. In, um, he played in Beautiful Girls, in George, in uh, Bob, with Bobby Alou. Dude's in, in, uh, a mad magician, basically. Um, but what he explained to me, in a sense, as, as a bass player to bass player, is that you need to let the song breathe, but you want people to feel the bass. And he said, I want this song, when we were producing a song, to be played on a big system and I want you to feel the bass in here, in, in your chest. For that to happen, you've got to pull out the ghost notes, you've got to pull out all those notes, and you've got to make... He explained it in a way that when you think of a, of a bass speaker, it's got to push in and push out, right? So if you're doing long push in, push out, you're pushing these big low frequencies and that's that's going to hit you really really hard but if you're doing all these like like all these like little ghost notes and that sort of stuff in 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 playing it's not giving enough time for these bass frequencies to push out and you probably reach right yeah and it just gets lost you lose the, the whole vibe and the whole feeling of what bass is supposed to do as soon as he explained that in a scientific method i was like oh shit all right so Overplaying equals not being able to feel the bass coming through. Whereas if you simplify yeah. and make it more dramatic and give those big notes, those big parts, shit, people feel it and they, they know it. So as a bass player to bass player, that's that's one of the reasons why they tell you to actually pull notes out. 
Yeah, completely. But I think it's not just an issue for like, not like it can be an issue, not just with bass, but like with any instrument. Yeah, like drums. It can be. Yeah. Solo guitar solos. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think what the way that it was put to us was was kind of like you got to make a separation between what you're doing because it's fun to do. Yeah. And not what's fun to hear. Not everyone's a, a musician. That's the thing. Yeah. So exactly. we think like musicians and so we're watching another musician just absolutely shred and we're picking what scale they're in or whatever they're doing. We did, we know and we're just going, holy crap, this guy's incredible in it. Whereas an uh, average music listener just going, that's cool. Yeah. That's it, right? And they'll go on to the next thing or they'll be on the phone or something. Whereas us musicians, they're just going, when it comes down to it, seeing a live band, people just want to dance. That is the other key. Yeah, pretty much. Eh? Yeah. So yeah. If you or cry. If you yeah. <laughs> or both. Or both. Or both. <laughs> so if when you when you break it all down, if you're playing in like seven eight and then go into like a, a four four mix and then a two four and then into like fifteen sixteenths and you think you're being like an incredibly smart musician, we'd be sitting there just oh fuck that's pretty wild. Other people are sitting there just trying to pick the beat. Where they're supposed yeah, to go. Where like you don't want to isolate your audience. Exactly. And ain't nothing wrong with just 4-4. Four, four. I could tell you that now. No, nothing at all. Well, my favourite songs are in 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, I kind of partial the 3-4. 6-8 is pretty good. 6-8 is pretty good. Like a good 6-8. Yeah, I don't mind a 7-8 every now. 6-4 is pretty now. fun as well. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy boy. So what else influences the band though in, in sounds? Because we already brought up the strokes. Yeah, well, I mean, our biggest, the, the, the thing that up until now we've sort of funneled everything through is sort of a lens of like Strokes Early Arctic Monkeys. Mm. Um, but we've also touched on like a whole range of stuff. Like, I mean, the, I guess sort of everyone kind of has their own influences and funnels it through that same sort of, same sort of lens, which ends up with it sounding the way that it ends up sounding, which is what makes before the King cohesive. Yeah. But I mean, I, like I'm, I'm a big fan of like fifties crooner jazz, Ooh. for example. All right. And yeah. What are you like? Um, like, a really t- early two thousands indie boy through and through. So it's just like anything that came out at that time. I froth. <laughs> so into a bit of modest mouse yeah. and that sort of stuff too. Yeah, even, yeah, I dabble. Dabble? <laughs> I dabble. <laughs> so that was my face. I just couldn't stand indie bands at all, early 2000s. But right. I was too busy being a new metal kid. Yeah. Oh, fair, yeah. yeah. It was like the com- direct competition oh, to it. Yeah, like, and people mock new metal as much as they want, but it brought out some pretty amazing artists and amazing albums. Same as yeah. the... That said, that said, we... I did, the drummer and me uh, did go see Linkin Park in 2013. <laughs> How was that? Good. <laughs> I mean, I mean incredible, yeah. obviously. <laughs> I saw him twice, but yeah, yeah. I, I know that, that um, I saw him on the Minutes, Minister, no, Thousand Sons tour. Oh, that would have been a good one. Yeah, Chester had broken his arm in Sydney, I think. 
and then oh damn um he yeah jumping off the stage and then he um i think brisbane <gasps> brisbane was the last show of that australian leg and he was had a cast in his arm and he's just being a maniac on stage incredible incredible act and what was really eerie about that thinking about it chris cornell opened Oh wow! Oh, yeah, Chris that Cornell is quite eerie. played. He um he had his whole backing band with him. He did um Soundgarden covers. Oh well, covers. He's those fucking songs. Soundgarden songs, Audio Slave songs, and then some uh, his own stuff as well. Some covers. And um, right, it's kind of eerie thinking about that now. Those two guys um, on tour. Yeah. Again. Um and never really had, really had never had the connection like prior to that. Yeah, wild. That was good, good, Very wild. amazing, amazing tour to see that. Yeah. So why were you into Linkin Park at the time? Yeah, yeah, I was like, there was no one that wasn't into Linkin Park. Dude, they are yeah. great songwriters. If you um, like Mike Shinoda, if he's got his own, um, he's he's on TikTok now too. Um, has his own YouTube channel where he goes and breaks down all the Linkin Park songs and then he actually re- remixes them and listening to people's stuff. And right. his mind, if you want to get into your own production thing, is stupidly good. Right. That's sick. Well, would I you, know about that. Would you ever dabble in like producing your own stuff? Yeah, we've, we've definitely thought about it. I mean, COVID, especially like us being locked down, We've sort of been experimenting mm. with like recording stuff by ourselves and seeing how that sounds and like it's definitely crossed our mind. But I mean, part of the reason that we love going to the studio is that I think we just love surrounding ourselves with people who are way better than us. That That's where you learn, like. though. That's you pick up from. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I think we, we would probably maybe have a few more sessions like that before we ever actually really try to, to go hard and like do it completely ourselves. So how many songs are left in the vault then? Cause you've released four. Is there more coming? Or is this a EP that you're putting together or? We've got, we've got six still recorded that haven't been released. So you like, basically got a recorded. fucking album. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got, we've got to another album that's been written, but we haven't recorded that. Well, that's where you do the producing yourselves and, and lay out the demo and basically work and <laughs> yeah, nut, exactly. out, nut, out, nut out the parts there. I mean, you, shit, you got another two weeks by the sounds of it. <laughs> Just work it out that way. Yeah. So uh, what's, what's the Sydney so. scene apart from lockdown? What was the Sydney scene like prior to all this shit? Like before, like pre, like 2020, you asking? No, no, like no. In between? In between because I know... Um, um, Newstead and King's Cross, so all those stupid restrictions you guys had, they were lifted. Oh, like the lockout laws Lockout laws, stuff. yeah. 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 They were. Although we didn't really get to, like, taste that properly because things were, like, kind of easing up and getting better and getting better. Mm. And then it got to the point where it was like, oh, shit, this feels like almost how it, almost feels like how it was before. Yeah. And then we had that for, like, a, a few weeks and then it just, like, <laughs> hard it's like imagine if someone baked an amazing cake and you like smelt it and you like yeah. saw it and then they were like here have a little text and you like did that with it and then they just picked it up and fucking threw it on the ground <laughs> like, like that's what it felt like oh man so, for, for yeah. yeah it's pretty horrible. <laughs> for one of the breeding grounds 
one of the breeding grounds of Australian music for the longest time, apart from Melbourne, was Sydney. And I mean, I felt for you guys when when the lockdown laws came into effect. I remember that because um because I've been touring through Sydney a few times with with bands. But fuck, to have that re- relieved. And then all of a sudden, just, yeah. just like, yeah. The thing I think, though, the thing I think, though, is I think that musicians all around the world, like forever and always, are just super resilient. Yeah. Like, well, I think that the most of, yeah. <laughs> well, what I mean by that is, like, I think that people who really want to do it, there we go. Like, they're not, they're not really concerned with the money for starters, and they're not really concerned with the practicalities. They're just like, hyped up on this passion dream train mm-hmm. that like lockdown can't stop it. Lockout laws can't stop it. Like it'll just the same as like water will flow around an object. If you put it in the middle of a river, like it, people just adapt to it because they just want to see, this is they, the attitude. They don't, they don't want to give up their dream. That's the attitude I've been trying to express this whole period of time since I've done the podcast. I have seen bands that had so much promise up here and they just went, oh, we can't be bothered anymore. And I'm sitting there just going, what are you doing? Just wait it out. Like, seriously, I've been I've been waiting for a proper career for 20-odd years. What's two fucking years? Wait it out, basically. But, yeah, it's interesting. So have you, have you guys witnessed any sort of, like, bands around you that just decided just to, you know, we can't be bothered now because it's just too hard? Not that any that come to mind, actually. That's good. I think most people in our community have just, like, stuck it out. Good. Yeah, try their best. Most I can think of. Although there are examples of bands that, like, members have left where I think they've just, like, been forced to think about what they're really doing. Yeah. Yeah. Usually a money thing, though. Yeah, could be be a money thing. Although I think at this this stage, money is not really a thing anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Just accept that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't rely yeah. on music as an income, dude. I don't even rely on the point as an income. I've got my own full-time job. So all, all this yeah. is for fucking love and, and because I love the in- – well, no, I don't love the industry. I love music. Yeah. The ind- and I think that's the thing that kept, that keeps pushing it forward is just the love for it. Yeah, and creating. Because, mm. yeah, I had to teach myself how to produce this whole time to say no. It's, yeah, right. It's it's, it's – there's so much, so much goddamn information out there. I mean, you, yeah. YouTube is just yeah. brilliant for that sort of shit, anyway. But um, even just peers, because that they, they most of the time you don't even realise that they're actually probably fiddling around with with production themselves and not telling you. And all of a sudden you go, oh yeah, I've been mucking around with the software. Oh, you've been doing that too. And then they just go, I figured this out. How about you try this? And like, holy shit! All right, this works. <laughs> it's it's. Once you go down that production rabbit hole, trust me, there is no turning back. Oh, I've lost connection. Hello. Frozen. Well, I'm just going to chat to myself here while um, this comes back. Or am I to edit this out? I don't know. I don't know if I've got no internet or the government's listening because we were shit talking. Maybe.
Oh no. Anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. Oh. I got you back. You got to unmute. You got to unmute. <laughs> Still no audio from you guys. Yay! <laughs> was that Jeez. was that was that me? Or was that you guys? Not completely us. That was us. <laughs> so we don't have we don't have internet. You got yeah. Wi-Fi. You're running on four G or five G, whatever. Yeah, hotspot. Yes. But my phone ran out of battery just in that. Oh moment. no! <laughs> yeah, but we've we've done a dynamic switch over to his phone. Wow, that, that props to that. That was actually I was sitting there just twiddling my thumbs, just talking to myself for a little bit. It was pretty awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, our faces looked like we were listening in that. Time. It's just like that. Yeah. Oh, frozen. Like, yeah, that's what I <laughs> Frozen for a good bit. Oh, wow. Um, anyway, we're nearly at 40 minutes, so you guys log back on. We'll just wrap it up. But I'll have a bit of a debrief with you after this. Um, thanks for yeah, jumping on board. Dean and Dan from Before the King, check out, everyone check out Mary Lou, the latest single. Uh, the film clip for it's sick too. I'll, I will dump this in the um, comments or description, blah, 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 below. Oh, geez, it's been fun. Thanks for making me sit there on my own for a little bit good job guys <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Dina Dan from Before the King good, good job to you too no, thank you I sincerely hope you enjoyed that one um, it was a nice one to welcome me back also I want to give props out to DefFX yay for getting this shirt to me um, really really quickly I literally ordered this on Sunday and then it's now here um, big fan with me growing up. So, if, if, if you've never seen Death Effects before, which a lot of you probably haven't, um, great band when you get to see them again. Um, yeah, great chats with Dean and Dan from Before the King. Really enjoyed it. And I would like to say that I'm back into the swing of things. So, more podcasts coming back, which I'm stoked about. Thank you for hanging in there. Um, I hope you enjoy the new logo, which has now been there for like literally three months. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting local music, live music, Australian music, all sorts of music. You guys are legends. Cheers. Cheers.